Good morning, friends. Uh, happy Easter. Today is the second Sunday of Easter season, of resurrection season. And uh, today's sermon comes to you from the Holmes Kern basement. Behind me, you can see this is the uh, the frame, the beginnings of uh, this castle that the kids and I are very slowly building. Uh, projects like this go very slow when your laborers are six and four and four years old. Uh, but we are muddling through here. Um, our sermon today uh, comes from John chapter 20, and it's the story of Thomas, often known as Doubting Thomas. And um, there's two scenes to it. You know, there's uh, two parts to this. Uh, the first scene happens, it says, on the evening of the first day of the week. Fast forward exactly one week, and the, the second scene happens, uh, John tells us, a week later. Um, and, you know, I, most of you know that I, uh, I love movies, and um, I couldn't help but thinking of all these films this week that have these alternate endings. If you remember back to those of you who are my age or, or older, maybe you remember Wayne's World and these alternate endings. Uh, or those of you who are younger, uh, maybe a more relevant illustration is to think of uh, Marvel's Avengers Endgame and the way that the story plays out down different paths. Um, some of you are Netflix junkies. You can think of shows like Russian Doll or uh, there's a new film on there called Love, Marriage, Repeat, which explores uh, all the possible ways that... Um, how people are sat at a wedding could shape um, these different stories that, that go down different paths. And I, uh, so I started imagining what, what it might have looked like um, for Thomas's story to have an alternate ending. Uh, imagine, let's imagine the first scene is the same. It's the scene again of Easter evening, and uh, John tells us that the disciples are huddled together with doors locked because they're afraid. And then uh, John tells us that Jesus came, he says, stood among them. And then he says to them, peace be with you. And uh, John goes on to, to tell them how Jesus breathes the Holy Spirit on them, how he, he, he gives them words of encouragement and commissioning. And then it goes to, uh, to Thomas, you know, Thomas is missing. Where is Thomas? Um, but Thomas shows up. We don't know if he's come back to uh, to this locked room or if the disciples go and find him. But but they're reunited with each other. And the disciples come to Thomas and they say, we have seen the Lord. And Thomas doesn't believe them. He says to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands, unless I put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. And uh, that's how John's depiction of the first Easter ends, with Thomas adamant in his unbelief. Now, imagine uh, an, uh, there is a second scene to the story, but imagine that the story goes this way. What if that's the last we ever hear of Thomas? What if that would have been uh, the moment where the story moves on without him, where this this movement of uh, what would soon be born as the church goes on without him. 
and the disciples and even Jesus, what if they would have had this attitude of, well, Thomas had his chance. He's the one that gave up on Jesus. He's the one who left. He's the one who denied the resurrected one. He burned that bridge. Oh, well, you can't win them all. What if they would have moved on without him? What if Thomas's story would have ended there? That would have been a sad, unfortunate alternate ending. And thankfully, uh, the story does not end there because that is not the attitude that God has towards any of us. No, there is a second scene that John tells us, and it parallels neatly the first scene. It begins, again, with the disciples huddled together in a locked room. The only detail that's noted differently this time is that this time Thomas is with them. But then it says this in verse 26, word for word, uh, exactly what had just been played out in verse 19. John again says, Jesus came and stood among them. And again, he says to them, peace be with you. And again, he shows them his hands and his side. But then the story this time takes a twist where Jesus in his mercy turns to Thomas and says to Thomas and to Thomas alone, put your finger here, see my hands, reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Jesus gives him uh, the honor of this amazing moment. All, all Thomas can do is respond with these words, my Lord and my God. And it's interesting, uh, I don't know if you know this, but this is actually the only time in all four Gospels when uh, anybody actually declares that Jesus is God. And many scholars will tell you that, that John's Gospel is all about this question of who is Jesus? And the whole thing is, is building on these, these signs that point to his divinity. And, and the whole uh, masterpiece of John's gospel finally comes to a head in this moment where it's Thomas, doubting Thomas, not Peter, not James, not John, who gets to, to say these words, my Lord and my God. What an honor. And all because Jesus, who shows us the heart of God, chose not to abandon Thomas to his doubt, but to show up again, to give Thomas yet another chance to see him. So what's our takeaway for this week in the midst of uh, this whole crazy season of uh, coronavirus and sheltered home orders? You know, um, I've been thinking about what, what does this story tell us about the nature of God? And, uh, you know, I kept coming back to this, this in some ways, a very simple truth, uh, but such a central truth in, in who God is and how God relates to us. That we see in this story a reminder that the bridge back to Jesus is a bridge that can never be burned that the heart of God, as we see it in the person of Jesus, is one of constant, unwavering pursuit of us, his beloved creation. And that is true for you, that is true for me, that is true for all of those people that we 
love and and worry about in this season. Uh, that's even true for the ones that we have made out to be our enemies. That God and God's constancy and God's faithfulness and God's unwavering love pursues each and every one of us always. This is the God that we see uh, in the story of the shepherd who leaves the 99 to pursue the one who's far out. This uh, is the one we see in all these stories of Jesus, the one who goes to those who have been judged and uh, written off and given up on, condemned by the religious folk. And he comes to them and he goes to, to those who also are overlooked and abandoned by systems of power that have failed to care for them. This is the one who responds in, in anger and in action to the injustice inflicted upon them. The one who goes to the farthest out, the God of the margins, the one who is always, always, always ushering us back to him. This is the heart of God. This is why the story of Thomas doesn't end at the end of scene one. This is the story of Israel. It's the story of the church. This is the story, your story and my story. This is the, the good news of Easter. That in Christ, God has done all that God can do to reconcile the separation between God and us that we have created. And that the only barrier that yet remains is not on God's side, but on our side. I think of the words from Lamentations 3, 22 and 23, that the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. God's mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness, O Lord. And so every day is a new day with Jesus. Every day is another chance. Every day is Easter. The first Easter evening, Jesus showed up and Jesus was there and Thomas missed it. And uh, because Thomas didn't show up, because he missed, because he missed it, because he didn't see Jesus, Thomas uh, was left in doubt, left wondering um, if God is even there. And uh, through the chaos of these last, uh, what, six or so weeks, I think that's been the experience for, for many of us. I know for myself, uh, I've felt so thrown out of rhythm by this all. Um, our lives have been changed in different ways, but I think all of our lives have been changed by this stay-at-home order. And um, and it's uh, it's caused me in many ways. And as I uh, here and there touch base with some of you, I know it's caused many of you um, not just fear and anxiety, but, but doubt as you wonder, where is God in the midst of this? And, uh, I just want to remind you this morning, uh, as I've, uh, had to remind myself this week, um, that the problem isn't that Jesus hasn't shown up in the midst of this. 
The problem is that we uh, haven't shown up. And when we don't show up, we don't, we don't see him. And, uh, and so the good news again today is that Jesus, uh, Jesus will keep showing up. And uh, every day Jesus will show up. This is not just the, the risen one that, that showed up that second Sunday for Thomas, but the one who's risen and ascended and who has even come to us and now dwells in our hearts. The Jesus who has said, uh, I am with you even till the end of the age. And this Jesus will keep showing up again and again and again and again and will never fail to show up. Again, the barrier is whether or not we will show up. Um, but I want to close with just this this poem, uh, the end of this, the last paragraph of this poem written by the poet Malcolm Geet. Um, it's called Easter 2020, and he reflects on uh, Holy Week. Uh, the poem begins with this question, and where is Jesus this strange Easter day? And uh, I'll just read the last paragraph. But again, he's he's reflecting on Holy Week, and he's he's giving us a glimpse. He's giving us, uh, I think here, the eyes to see that, yes, Jesus is present in this. God has not abandoned us. Uh, God, God is with us, and God's love remains. So here's the last paragraph. Um, he talks about, he talks about, God is not in our locked churches, but God is, uh, he says, making his strong way alive at large, making his strong way into the world he gave his life to save. He says this, uh, um, again, talking about Holy Week. On Thursday, we applauded, for he came and served us in a thousand names and faces, mopping our sick room floors and catching traces of that virus, which was death to him. Good Friday happened in a thousand places where Jesus held the helpless, died with them, that they might share his Easter in their need. Now they are risen with him. Risen indeed. Please pray with me. God, we uh, we thank you that you are God uh, who is always faithful, a God whose love for your creation and for all your creatures never falters or fails or wavers. We thank you that when we uh, when we don't see you, it's not because you are not there, but because we are not there. We have not shown up. We uh, we have not brought ourselves uh, before you um, and sat with you that we might have the eyes to see you at work in the world. And so, God, we just simply pray that uh, you would give us these eyes to see. For anyone uh, who's maybe just fell out of rhythm, um, who's lost uh, sight of you, in the midst of this whole pandemic. God, uh, I pray that they would hear the good news today of the invitation back, the invitation that you extend to us each and every day for your mercies are new every morning. God, uh, we thank you. We thank you that uh, 
your heart is love and we thank you that you are always 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 good in jesus name amen be blessed my sisters and brothers